I'm Harry. I'm Nash. And this week, we're going all the way from the 14th to the 20th of May. And if you haven't done it yet, check out our Facebook, Before You Were Born podcast. Yeah. It's full of great stuff. Stuff just a millisecond behind the Before You Were Born Instagram. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still good. It's still good. It's It's like, you know, they say live streamed or simulcast from yeah. the US when they release a show. Like, it's essentially at that. the same time fast as track. the US. Yeah, fast, fast track, fast track from the US. What an inferiority complex we have in Australia here. Yeah, we it's wish like we were anything America. America we think is amazing. Speaking of America, what are you speaking about this week <laughs> in history? <laughs> well, just to give it okay. away a little bit. Just to uh, prove myself right here. On May 14, 1989, the biggest, the best, the hugest, most incredible thing ever. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, your, your Trump impression is great. Like I can't fault it. It's Thank you. Spot on. You've got the closed eyes, the pursed lips, and everything. The no sense of what's going on. Just general asshole. So uh, <laughs> May 14, 1989. This is the day that sees the end of the first ever tour de Trump. Okay, That's exactly I, what it sounds like. Okay, wow. I, That's exactly is it a what French it sounds race? Like. Is he now French? Is he trying to take over France? I'm just so confused. I, I have so many questions. I'll, I'll explain. All will be revealed. Okay, all right. Well... Something that's a bit more straightforward, <laughs> I think. May 17, 1970. This is the day that Heider High, who everyone knows is a Norwegian geologist and geographer and zoologist. I think Heider High might sounds like a, like a musical scale, like Heide, Heide, Heide. <laughs> no, he, he's a very important guy because he sails a papyrus boat over a big ocean. <laughs> yes. I guess it sounds okay. less Wait, cool. sorry, back up. Uh, 1970, is that what you said? Yeah. So this guy... (laughs) He's a blast from the past. What can I say? I'm really excited to hear about this. So what's going to be better, the boat or the race? Find out right after this. I can already tell you which one is the best. I really look to the future. I always do. With investments, with deals, with events, with anything. And I think this is an event that can be tremendous in the future. And it can really very much rival the Tour de France. So when it comes to terrible sports, Mm. it's pretty hard to beat cycling. Um, okay. Now you might say, Nash, you're out of line. You're at, you're at, you're at, you're completely out of line. <laughs> Cycling is great. Yeah. Tour de France. It's beautiful. Not only is it a sport, but it's a cheap, environmentally friendly way of getting around. Yeah. And it's something you can do with your friends, something you can do alone. Yeah. It's got so many facets to it. I would say, sure, this is true, but let's not forget about the outfits, the, uh, Lance Armstrong. The doping culture. It's going to take a little more than reducing one's carbon footprint for me to absolve these caramel latte sipping, lycra wearing, half lane at peak hour, taking up jerks. There's very little to like about cycling. And now we've lost all of our cyclist (laughs) listeners. Thanks for joining in. So all the people that hate the environment, thanks for staying on. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what do you have against these cyclists? If you're not convinced, allow me to present Exhibit A. The Tour de Trump. Right, okay. So you said this before. So now I'm gathering it's a, it's a cycling race. Yeah. Run by Donald Trump. Ex- well, exactly. So just when you thought it couldn't get any worse for the sport, allow me to turn your attention to the fact that Donald Trump, the bastion of credibility that he is, once aspired to you create... that word, bastion. <laughs> it's a good word. I don't look, get to use it every day. Look it up in the dictionary, team. <laughs> he once aspired to create a cycling tournament in the United States to rival the Tour de France. I reckon tournament is the wrong word because when I think of tournament, I think of like two teams versing each other, not like people pedaling in a park. Well, that's 
fair, I suppose. However, I would cut. I would say this: there were teams in the Tour de Trump, as there okay. are teams in the Tour de France. There, there are cycling teams, and the teams I get sponsored. Didn't know that, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. there you go. But I guess I mean maybe a general race is a better a, a description rather than like a jousting tournament. Yeah, or exactly. It wasn't, some it wasn't sort like, of like WWE. No, Get it wasn't a round Hulk Robin. Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> Though that would be pretty sick. Right? That would be pretty yeah. fun. <laughs> Donald that. Trump versus Hulk Hogan. Although I think he was on a wrestling show. He was in the WWE. Like yeah. he actually body slammed a bunch of people. Like Wow. Uh, our presidente. <sighs> anyway, Wait, we're in Australia, aren't we? Well. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's that inferiority complex. Yeah, again. there we go. <laughs> so So previously there had of course been bicycle races in the United States. Right, mm-hmm. but they'd mostly been like almost what we were describing then—crowd-pleasing events. They yeah. weren't seriously competitive races in yeah. the same way that they were in Europe. Right, so the Tour de France has decades of history and pedigree and prestige. Good race, and, and it's a good race. You know, it, bit it of go- doping, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, have you seen the Tour de France? Yeah, I watch. I watch. I watch bits of it. I, w- I don't watch the whole thing because that's yeah, a long. Yeah, you can't race. watch the whole thing. But like, I'll, I'll tune in for like five, ten minutes. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's the perfect amount. Although the best part is watching the crowd. To be honest, you reckon? Yeah, it's pretty funny. People are just stupid. Yeah, so people are kind of dumb, but that's that's not the point. The point is, is that the race itself and racing in Europe was a legitimate thing. Oh, right? it's very held in high regard, and that's exactly what Donald Trump tried to establish in the United States. A sporting event that had all this prestige and pedigree and you know culture i guess but it was run by donald trump well not just that (laughs) but like the fact that it didn't exist you can't materialize that out of nothing yeah but he tried to anyway and that's what's really interesting about it okay now at this point in the mid to late 80s donald trump's reputation is somewhat comparable to what it was before the 2016 election he was an incredibly famous dude yeah, famous for being rich and not much else. Uh, oh, okay. okay, a slew of controversies as well. Yeah, right? I mean, what's life without a bit of controversy, right? Yeah, exactly. So Donald Trump, as we know, he made his wealth, made his billions, as a real estate investor in New York by getting money, of course, from mum and dad. Well, yeah, that's right. His his father started him off with a small million dollar loan. You very know? small, very my, small. My parents once gave me fifty bucks. That was nice. I had to pay it back with interest. <laughs> Well, Donald Trump's million-dollar loan allowed him to invest in property in, in Manhattan that then generated tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of of, of value for him and his family and his name. So, is this, is this the before, though, he was The Apprentice? Yes, it's well before The Apprentice. Wow, okay. The Apprentice only began in, in the early noughties. Okay. So this there is in the 80s. Never seen it. When he's yeah. really building his fame. Look, I don't think you have to say more about Donald Trump. I think everyone knows who he is. He's, even in the 80s, it was, he was pretty famous. I grew up knowing oh, yeah. Donald Trump, mainly from The Simpsons, but still, everyone knew him. Yeah, everybody knows him. He's huge, the best, <laughs> the biggest. Now, this may not be how Trump would recall it to you himself, because uh, I'm sure he takes credit for everything. But oh, What a surprise. The tour to Trump wasn't his idea. Wow, he stole an idea. No, he didn't steal the idea. He licensed his name to the idea. Okay, cool. So the Tour de Trump actually, surprise, surprise, was inspired by the Tour de France, right? Really? So is that why they changed the name so much? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I didn't realize I couldn't have picked it. I didn't, I didn't realize French was the natu- national language of uh, America, which is very surprising for yeah, me. It's strange. I mean, so, Canada, maybe. Not North, not <laughs> USA. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
at this point in our story, there enters a guy called John Tesh. Teshi. So John Tesh in 1987, he was a strappy young CBS sports reporter. He'd only just returned to the United States after reporting on that year's Tour de France. Now, Tesh, um, I suppose you've never heard of him. I'd never heard of him before. Never heard of him ever. But he, he was no slouch. He'd actually go on to become a pop pianist. And he'd also be a journalist. From and a CBS reporter. He wrote the theme tunes for sports television shows. And he also cool. went on to host Entertainment Tonight as well. Like, yeah, E.T. What a show. Yeah, exactly. I don't know about what a show. I've never seen it, but I, I've heard good things. <laughs> from, from who? I don't know. I made that up. I'm trying to make it sound good. I'm trying to make it sound good. Anyway. Housewives. That's not a thing anymore. Uh, uh, 90s housewives? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so, <laughs> so Tesh, he's seen the Tour de France and he's thinking, yo, America... It needs one of these. So Tesh goes to his mate, Billy. Billy Packer. No relation to the Australian billionaire family, right? The other oh, Packers. The other right? Packers, Kerry and whatnot. Yeah. James. So Billy Packer, he is also a sports broadcaster as well. Rather than broadcasting on, you know, cycling, he reports on college basketball. Oh, NCAA. And exactly. Yeah. So he was reporting on the NCAA. He was pretty well off because of that and he's also an entrepreneur as well so tesh goes to packer he goes oi pack pack dog oi pac-man <laughs> <laughs> just been to france <laughs> saw some ghosts <laughs> love baguettes uh anyway what you need to do my friend <laughs> yeah what is what does he need to do Tell you, us, need to, you need to credit to it to france for the u.s right so packer he thought not a bad idea why not he knew some people on the East Coast that owned casinos and he thought maybe they could sponsor the event. And those casinos were in Jersey. So he thought he'd call it the Tour de Jersey, right? Not a great name. Doesn't quite have the ring I mean, to it. neither is Tour de Trump. So. I actually think Tour de Trump sounds better than Tour de Jersey. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, anything sounds better than Tour de Jersey. I think it's a syllable thing. Yeah. Trump, France, sort of monosyllabic versus Jersey. Yeah. Mm-mm. Although, funnily enough, Imagine winning the Tour de Jersey jersey. What's that supposed to look like? That's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Anyway, so Packer, he goes out to Jersey, shopping around this idea of a national cycling tournament to casino owners in Jersey, right? Right. Looking for backing. Now, there is some interest, but nothing really sticks. But then he lands a meeting with the Donald. The Don. Yeah. The Trump. Himself. Kid. I I don't know. He's a guy. Yeah. The mover, the shaker, the grabber, you know, our man. Wow. The meeting, uh, it we're lasts. We're not defaming anyone, okay? Whatever Nash says is incorrect. If you've seen the White House Correspondence Dinner recently, that, that was nothing. Anyway, this meeting between Packer and Trump, it lasts for a matter of minutes. Now, a uh, classic Malcolm Turnbull, am I right? <laughs> yeah, no, classic Trumbull. Classic Trumbo. So this is one of these things with Donald Trump you hear over and over again. The guy doesn't seem to like long meetings. Um, I mean, this may be the only area that I can relate with Donald Trump. I mean, <laughs> well, I you don't want a tour to Nash? I'd love a tour to Nash. Nash sounds quite cool. <laughs> sounds all right. Um, anyway, so this meeting lasts a couple of minutes and Trump makes the call on instinct. He's like, you know what? We should go ahead with this race. Initially, Packer comes in with the idea we should call it the tour to Trump to sort of appease his ego. Trump apparently goes, no, that's not a good idea. And then he does a backflip and he's like, wait a second, wait a second. He does a backflip. He's like, yeah, 
this is a good idea. No way yeah. does Donald Trump change what he had originally said. I've that's that's according gen- to media reports at the time where he's, he, he, he tries to exhibit some degree yeah. of humility where he's like... Can I just say, though, mm. I reckon Donald Trump's probably one of your worst president impressions. I think you're pretty good at presidential impressions. Well, I thank Harry. I really See, appreciate that's a, that. That's yeah. good. That's Karl <laughs> Marx, right? The second president <laughs> of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Donald Trump decides to have this tour de Trump in his honor. It's going to be prestigious brought forward by two CBS reporters. What happens next? Yeah, so everything goes well in this meeting. Packer gets the required permissions from the New York state government to run the race, and Trump finds himself with a deal. A deal that makes him the primary sponsor of what will become the largest bicycle race the United States has ever seen. And it it truly is. Does it happen more than once? It does, actually. Wow, okay. So, like I was saying before, it's really hard to manufacture prestige. It's really hard to manufacture a culture. You can't just throw money at a venture and hope that people will care about it. But that is pretty much exactly <laughs> what Donald Trump... is <laughs> mantra for life, really. And, and the sponsors of the Tour de Trump tried to do. Money will make everything happen. And, and it wasn't lost on the cycling community in the United States. So they were anti. They weren't anti, but, they, but there were columnists... From the Chicago Times to the New York Times through to like specialty articles, mm. specialty publications. Bicycles are us type of thing. Yeah, they're just like, this is garbage. You can't be serious. <laughs> but at the same time, the amount of prize money that was offered and the scale of the event actually did attract some of the big name cyclists over from Europe. Okay, cool. The trick was trying to actually convince the public, but we'll get to that later. So on May 5, 1989... 68 years to the day that Coco Chanel launched her iconic number five fragrance, by the way, the first ever Tour de Trump begins. So it's over 8,000 miles from Albany, New York, all the way through Pennsylvania, Virginia. 8,000 miles? Yeah. Oh, wait, that can't be right. 800 miles. (laughs) Sorry, 8,000 is too much. The Tour de France is only like 1,200 miles. Yeah. Um, So yeah, 800 miles all the way through out. A lot of a lot of riding. It's still pretty far. And the finish line is in Atlantic City, outside the Trump Casino, the Taj Mahal. So you finish, you get your winnings, you go inside, you lose, you lose it. it. It's called the Taj Mahal. Yeah, yeah. He sucks. D- don't worry, that, ca- that casino crashed and lost $3 billion within its wow. first uh, year of opening. Yeah. Not anyway, <laughs> so <laughs> there's tons of media coverage across the globe. Again, you can't just win the hearts and minds of people. In a similar way that Donald Trump is a divisive character now, he was a pretty controversial and divisive character back then. At the end of the first stage of the Tour de Trump, the cyclists, they were met with protests really? as they entered into the town of New Platz, New York. There were, no surprises here, there were college protesters here <laughs> and there with placards reading, die yuppie scum, hungry, eat the rich. Trump equals the Antichrist. Tons of protests. Wow. Um, because you know, at that time, Donald Trump represented the worst of, I guess, in their eyes, the yuppie elite scum. Do you reckon right? it's any different now? Because I don't think there's been any student protest against Trump uh, ever. I can't, I can't think of any. I can't think of any come to mind. Oh, wait, for the past three years, they've been doing that. Yeah. Oh, I completely forgot. Well, it didn't work then. It's not working now. So <laughs> yeah. come on, guys. Yeah, so just give up. Pick <laughs> something else. Um, but the point is, I'm trying to make, you can't manufacture prestige out of nothing. So the event finishes on our day in history. May 14, 1989. Finishes out in front of the casino in Atlantic City. 
Now, I guess the question is... Does it happen again? Does it happen again? And why have we never heard of this before? Yeah, I'm assuming it happened like once or twice again and then that was it. Well, it did happen once more mm. with Donald Trump's name. It was only ever known once more as the Tour de Trump. And, <laughs> and then after that? And then after that, Donald Trump went bankrupt. The first of four times. Wow. And he pulled his support from the Tour de Trump. So, as I said before, he had that great big casino. Yeah. That tanked. He lost $3 billion in that casino. Yeah, so he had to say. go off and sell out a whole bunch of different things. He had to declare corporate bankruptcy four times. He sold his plane. He sold his airline. He sold Trump the game. He sold his university. Well, wow. He sold a whole bunch of stuff. But if you've got that much money, I'm sure you can land on your feet, right? Which I'm pretty sure is what he did. I think he's done just fine. He's don't, done okay. Don't feel bad for Donald Trump. But the point is, he withdrew his sponsorship after the 1990 Tour de Trump. But thankfully, there was another wealthy family who decided that they would support the race, the DuPont family, and it became the Tour DuPont until they withdrew their sponsorship only a couple of months after the police captured John <laughs> DuPont, who murdered an Olympic wrestler, Dave Schultz. <laughs> Whoa, how is that not the focus of this story? <laughs> well, I mean... The, I, the I, grand heights of the Tour de Trump. I know, it's crazy. And one last thing as well. The Tour de Trump, they, when they were starting off, they sued this small, obscure little cycling uh, tournament down in Colorado called the Tour de Rump. They sued <laughs> them for copyright infringement and stealing their name. thing was, though, the Tour de Rump existed for a whole year before the Tour de Trump. Yeah. And they were just like, yo, chill out. I we think didn't steal your name. I think they have to realize how copyright works. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the moral of this story is... Well, there is really isn't one. It's if more if the you've fact got that money, you can do whatever you want. You can kind of do whatever the hell you want. You can start your own rival <laughs> to the Tour de, de France. France. And it's kind of successful until your other ventures flop on you. But don't worry, because you'll become the leader of the free world. So yeah. works out. all's well that ends well. All's well that ends well. <laughs> now, speaking of other races, up next, we have a race across the ocean from one civilization to another. I'm really excited to hear about this papyrus, <laughs> this preposterous papyrus vessel. I don't know. <laughs> now, Nash, have you ever heard of Thor Hydral? I've heard of Thor, the God of Thunder. Okay. Same I mean- guy. Both Norwegian. Something tells me that the Thor, the god of thunder, doesn't need a papyrus boat to get from point A to point B. No, he he comes down from Valhalla. Just <laughs> yeah, he's a bit. Look, he's a bit more impressive. But yeah. let's let's think about uh, let's think about Thor Hydral. Who is he? Who is this guy? And why did he make a boat essentially out of paper, which is papyrus? Yeah. Now, in 1970, when they actually had working metal, wooden, and plastic boats, why did he do this? (laughs) Even by that point, the Titanic had sunk. So, like, there was a lot of other (laughs) options if you wanted to sink in the ocean. Sure, if there's a healthy dose of skepticism, I would afford anyone for a giant, (laughs) such a giant vessel to even float but uh, we know the boats can float yeah we know that can float. who is this guy um so this guy hydral he is can i just call him thor it's a lot easier it sounds more fun Uh, he's a norwegian guy who is a actually a son of a master brewer which i thought was quite cool Mm. he brews for a living um and he studied zoology and also a bit of geography and his big thing was the study of polynesia 
Now, do you know what Polynesia is? Um, my guess, whilst doing my best not to offend anybody, mm. is that it is to the northeast of Australia. It's like a yeah. It's, it's like it's a, a triangle of islands. Actually, yeah. includes New Zealand, but it includes also uh, Easter Island, uh, Hawaii, Samoa, Tonga, the Cook Islands. So it's essentially a bunch of islands in the Pacific. Yeah, exactly. But they're not. I mean, they're each with their own distinct people and culture. And yeah, but they're called blah, blah, blah. Polynesia. And back yeah. in, in the day, they used to be one United Nation. Back in like ancient times. Yeah. Now, so our friend Thor is interested in Polynesia. This guy who is. For all intents and purposes, he's a Viking, you know, like he's, yeah, he's Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> um, now he goes in 1936, he travels with his wife to Marquesas Islands to study the flora and fauna because he's a zoologist Yeah, in this remote Pacific area. And he becomes quite fascinated with how Polynesia was populated. How did it come to be? How did it get its culture? How did it get its people? How did Polynesia become Polynesia? I'm sure mm. it's a question that you think of Every single day. Perhaps not how did Polynesia get populated, but I think I've had the question of how did the first Australians arrive, you know, 50,000 years ago or 70,000 years ago, whenever it was. Did they just hop in a canoe and hope for the best? Yeah, or catch a ferry. Was there some sort of... Um, Monorail? Continental shelf that has been absorbed by the sea now. Like Maybe they this were just is really good swimmers. Questions. Yeah. It's, it is a good question, and the prevailing opinion in in this case was that ancient seafaring people of Southeast Asia they populated yeah. Polynesia. So Southeast Asian influence po- populated Polynesia, but there was also a thought that maybe it was South Americans. Right. I know. Controversial. So. The thought behind South Americans is that there's actually a South American fruit or plant rather, uh, such as sweet potato, that's found in Polynesia, as well as just the way the Pacific Ocean generally runs. It runs from east to west, which means that it'd be easy for them to get through. So you're saying that some of the supporting evidence for the theory that people from South America were among the first inhabitants of Polynesia was that there is like biological similarities between the fruit and food that's there, like the yam or the sweet potato. Yeah. And then also the fact a that bit of the, wind. the currents go from like east to west. That yeah. Make it more likely, more easy for them to travel over there. Look, I, I'm sure there is a more scientific basis yeah. for this, but I think Thor, this was enough for him. He was fascinated by the people. Okay. He wanted so to So he's see, like, I'm going to build a boat. He wanted to <laughs> see if, if it's true, could South Americans have gotten to... Polynesia. Now, this is no short journey. It's 8,000 kilometers, right? From <laughs> the length of the Tour de Trump. Had I actually <laughs> got it right. Had I not misread it, yeah. I thought I'd frame this as a science experiment because essentially that's what it is. It's a science experiment where Thor's trying to prove whether or not something can occur. There's okay. constants, there's variables. There's exciting science happening. So not only are we taking a bit of history... But Nash, let's do a bit of science. Okay, all now, right. What's your hypothesis? The hypothesis is that some Polynesians originated from South America, more specifically Peru, because we know, of course, the Aztecs are a very ancient Peruvian, Peruvian civilization. The hypothesis is that some Polynesians originated from South America. Yes. I don't know how science experiments work, but isn't that the <laughs> hypothesis? That's um, what I think. That's what that's what he thinks will happen. Well. You can't, I mean, a hypothesis, you can't, you're not trying to prove something. 
you're trying to disprove something. And if you can't disprove it, it's not true. It's only nominally true until you've seen that it's able to be disproved. So maybe it should be, is it possible that... uh, Actually, well, your your hypothesis is fine. But I'm just trying to say that it's not... you're You're not trying to prove it. You're trying to disprove it. Right. Well, whatever he's trying to do, he's trying to get a boat from one side to the other, <laughs> essentially. Okay. Jeez, I was so bad at science. Sorry, now, sorry. the aim is to find out if they could have gotten there. Okay. Now, what is the method? So, the first step of the method is make a boat that would have been made by ancient Peruvians and sailed to Polynesia around 8,000 kilometers away. Now, I'm really thinking, what type of boats would they have had in ancient Peruvian times? Uh, my guess is papyrus. Incorrect. Oh. Because... This happened in 1947, a good 23 years before we have our papyrus story. Wait, what happened? This trip. So you thought the papyrus boat, that was going to be the star of the show. It's not. It's actually the, the second of three experiments that Thor does. Oh. I know, right? Mind blown. So this is 1947, and he's trying to prove that from Peru, you can get to Polynesia. So this guy is obsessed. He's not, he's not not obsessed. <laughs> he's uh, obsessed. I'll tell you that much. So, okay. So Thor in the 1940s first begins this expedition, this yeah. scientific, if you want to call it that, venture <laughs> to see whether it would have been possible. It's essentially MythBusters. Yeah, right. To get from one place to A the multi-decade other. A multi-decade MythBusters. Now the first okay. the first boat, it's made from. Look, it's a shonky boat. So make a a shonky boat. The first boat is made from how they would have made it in ancient times, balsa wood and other native material, right? So it's pretty sturdy. I want you to picture the boat they use in Castaway, right? Like literally just a raft. The boat? (laughs) Yeah. That's a very generous term. Exactly. It's a generous term. It's a raft with logs tied together and a sail. I mean, he has a hut on top of it. Does he have a Wilson? Uh, (laughs) Look, by the end of it, he might have, but (laughs) probably not at the beginning because this journey actually takes 101 days. Now, wow. that's the first step. First step, make uh, a boat. We now we know what it looks like. We can visualize it. Second step, give it a dope name after an Incan god. So it's called Contiki. Okay. Uh, which is ironically a, a very different meaning in, in nowadays, <laughs> Contiki. This is actually a cool Contiki, I'd say. Um, and then I'm just imagining this Norwegian dude out there just plastered <laughs> with all these other 20 year olds from Australia yeah like Contiki bro come on Thor you're the god of thunder come on <laughs> make it rain Thor and the third step of which actually works with Contiki is sail with your mates to Polynesia okay now okay. what is the outcome of this experiment after 101 days across the Pacific on the 7th of August 1947 Thor crashes into Polynesia he's made it He's made it to Polynesia. Probably not the way you want to end with crashing into something, but he's made it. Well, okay. Well, so as we said before, Polynesia is pretty big. So he just gets to one island in Polynesia. Do we know which one? Don't know. Okay. Didn't say. Okay. I'm assuming it's a good one. One of the best. Well, presumably he made it back afterwards. Well, yeah, he probably just flew home because there was aeroplanes back then. In the 1940s in Polynesia. I mean, like... he probably could have taken a boat. He wouldn't Wait, have taken the raft. hang on a second. He, he went the from raft. South America to Polynesia during the 1940s. He went through the Pacific theater of war during World War II? 1947. Oh, okay. Jesus. All right. Know your dates. All right. All right. So... I still wouldn't want to be swimming around the Pacific in 47. There's probably a bunch of landmines going on. Oh. 
A Let, bunch of okay, oh, whatever. I'm taking away your right. It's to probably speak. a bunch of C minds there. I'm continuing. So the second outcome is: so he made it. He proved the theory that it was possible. People don't necessarily credit him, but they he proves that it's possible. Then in 1951, he makes a documentary about it, wins an Oscar. So those wow. are the two outcomes. He sailed there, won an Oscar. Now let's move forward. 20, 20 or so years. Thor was so interested in these cultural contacts between different places that he wanted to see cultural contacts between Africa and Central and South America. He thought there was a link. So he started his second experiment. This experiment was to get from Africa, more specifically Morocco, mm. all the way through to Central and South America. He ended up in the Bahamas in this one, but that's, that's, where, he wanted, okay. that's where he wanted to do. So now let's go with our second scientific experiment. Hypothesis? Is there contact in ancient civilizations between Africa and Central America? I don't know how to do the hypothesis now. Yeah, you, I, you, you, no, you no. kicked me out and now I'm down to myself. <laughs> my hypothesis written here, it says there was contact. That's my hypothesis. That should, yeah, well, that, yeah. You, yeah. Oh, so now I get it right. Yeah, you Jeez. can't write a hypothesis as a question. Well, I, okay. Whatever. <laughs> the aim of this was... Like, <laughs> to find out... Fire is hot. That's okay. my hypothesis. Great. <laughs> well, then the aim was to... The hypothesis was to make contact. Was there contact? You're joshing me out here. Now, <laughs> the aim was to see if there was, in fact, contact. Now, the method. This one was a bit different. Yeah. Because ancient civilizations in Africa would have been ancient Egypt. And what did ancient Egyptians have? And we're talking the north of Africa. Okay, so papyrus. Papyrus, which is essentially paper. It's what they wrote on. For those that don't know, it's thick paper. Yeah. Now, with this boat, they actually like roll the papyrus up together and then like, I don't know, somehow push it all together. But using ancient Egyptian techniques, yeah, he makes a papyrus vessel, a 45 foot long copy of an what? ancient That's Egyptian huge. vessel. Yeah. And in, in 1969, right? I'm curious as to why this guy thinks... That different civilizations, like which are literally across seas, across oceans, thousands of kilometers apart, and also let's 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 not forget they are millennia apart. <laughs> the Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians, their civilization lasted for three and a half thousand years, right? Why does he think the means of <laughs> of contact is the same for both of them? Why I honest, boats? I honestly don't. Why does he think that? No, I don't know. I think I think he's a little I obs- know, like I don't know I if that much of his stuff has actually been credited. I think a lot of people are very. He sounds like unsure, a kook. unsure about it. He's going to trust a guy uh, who makes his own. If I told you I was going to make my own car, you like you just. You I'd would, be impressed. No, you. But if you were trying to call prove, the police, no. If you were trying to prove that your car was an 1800s model that would get you from one side of America to the other. Then I'd be like, yeah, you're crazy. Call the producers at the Discovery Channel. That's a television show. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch that. <laughs> now, the second step of our method is to give it a great name after an Egyptian god. So like we had Kontiki, we now have Ra, uh-huh. who is the sun god. So they transport the boat to Morocco, which is cheating a bit, but it's fine. So on the 24th of May, 1969, they set sail for the Caribbean. They make it 600 miles, <laughs> and then the, then the boat sinks why? Because it was made of paper. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's not a bad idea. That's that's not a bad distance. Six hundred yeah, miles. It's pretty good. It's pretty far. So essentially, what they do is they try it again. They call Ra two, 
And then on our date in history, May 17, 1970, after 57 days and 6,437 kilometers later, they reach Barbados. But that's not where they wanted to go. It's close <laughs> enough. They made it. They made it. They made it. To Cent- Barbados is in Central America. Uh, okay. So it's fine. They made it. So, so far, this is our second experiment. It gets better. He has a third experiment. And oh, this is lunatic. And this is between ancient civilization of Mesopotamia, Indus Valley, and Egypt via the seas. Let me guess. He builds a boat. <laughs> he builds a boat, but this time out of reeds. I was about to say, <laughs> were you going to say rocks? <laughs> no, that, this one's out of he reeds. Made so it's it out similar, of rocks. Similar to the paper one. Um, and this boat survives for five months. It's definitely the least interesting experiment of the three. Um, now, so this is the third of his boats, the third attempt to like cross culture, prove the things. And already you're thinking, okay, maybe this guy is, is asking a bit too much, asking a bit too much from science and, and correlation causation. He hasn't even been talking to science. Yeah. Now (laughs) I do have one last story about Thor before we leave him and it has nothing to do with boats. It has to do with rock carvings. Actually, Thor believed that there was an ancient very advanced civilization yeah. in Azerbaijan. That's that's a real place, isn't it? That is a real place. And he thought there was an ancient civilization that worked its way up north through the waterways, of course, because everyone loves water. Yeah, I mean, how to- else do you get around if not in a boat? I'd love to see him go down and get his weekly groceries. just like some, some milk, some bread, maybe a couple of <laughs> boats, eggs. He's just <laughs> rowing down there. He would. He'd love Amsterdam. Wow. So he thought that this ingenious civilization... They made vessels, boats, out of skins that could be folded like cloth. Thankfully, he did not make the boats out of animal skin. He didn't even make the boats, but this is what he thought. This is supposedly what he thinks, and none of this has been validated, the last one. No one one agrees with him here about the ancient civilization and about essentially using animal skins as a way of flotation. I think this is one of those things where, where if you have a hammer, all you see is nails. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he is quite clearly wow. besotted with the idea that boats... He loves boats. ...made of primitive materials hold the answers to all of our questions of our origins. Like... I would not be surprised. There's probably some truth in what he has to say. Yeah, it's very probable. But, but if you his, just... His fascination makes me think that maybe every year on, you know, the date that Titanic sank after 1912, <laughs> he has a ceremony to remember all those boats that we've lost... Because this guy was obsessed with boats. And that, I mean, that is a story. I, I, I guarantee you, when you came into this episode, did you know that we were going to speak about no. something like this? It's crazy. No. This guy literally traveled in ancient boats across big seas, 100-day journeys, 57-day journeys, five-month journeys. That's pretty, okay. To prove contact. It's not unimpressive. That's pretty it's impressive. It's very impressive. But it's not the biggest bicycle race <laughs> in the whole of the United States. No, I guess not. I mean, which did he, race? Which did he become wins? president of Norway? No, he didn't. Forget he died, died in 2012. Nobody so cares. Let us remember. <laughs> um, unfortunately, that does bring us to the end of another week in history. So make sure you join us back here next week as we take you to a time before you were born. I'm 
I like a bed that's really firm. I need something a little softer than that. Rest easy. With the Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed, you can both adjust your comfort with your Sleep Number setting. Can it really help me fall asleep faster? Yes, by gently warming your feet. Okay, but can it help keep us asleep? It senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you effortlessly comfortable. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. It's our biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com.